or that like then is when you changed and I really I don't remember like why we like fell out or why things changed but that's when I started like I started to really dislike you Mm -hmm. when I was ready to leave I really was just so ready to go like I just could not stand you at that time like I was I didn't like you like all right, folks, welcome back to the podcast, One Man, One Tree, in a Hill. Today's episode is called The Birth of a Toxic Male. Sometimes throughout life we get to see the finished product of a person, but we don't get to see the initial stages, how that person formed. Similar to the butterfly and the moth, both of these creatures go through the same metamorphosis, but the moth resembles what he looked like before the transformation. But the butterfly looks completely different. But tonight, we're about to dig all in my chrysalis. Well, I don't, that don't sound too good. All right, folks, that was a clip of the episode you're about to hear, episode 70, The Birth of a Toxic Male. Uh, I know we're supposed to drop the episode Tuesday, but the election happened, and, you know, we still don't got a president, but we know who might potentially win. And we were going to label this episode part three of the essential survivor story, but uh, after looking back and listening to your emails, we called this episode The Birth of a Toxic Male. That's what we called it. And the reason why we didn't do part three, because we listened to Janet's story, and that's how we closed her story. She made her time capsule. That's what it was. And I realized at the end of the podcast, what you guys are emailing me about is that I what we call mansplained, right? Uh, I'm a reformed toxic male. I'm 87% free of being a toxic male. I still have that 13% inside of me. And all you guys are emailing me. I appreciate it because we have over 9,000 people that listen to this podcast, and I'm appreciative for that. I don't take that for granted. It's really dope that we have so many people that enjoy and listen and give feedback, and we respond back to the feedback. And the feedback of what you said was, you know, at the end of the podcast, you were making jokes instead of asking important questions, right, or like trying to debate some of the memories that you had. And you're not wrong. What I did was I was trying to distance myself subconsciously away from the hurt that she was describing, meaning that at every phase of her life, a man has hurt her. And the question that I was going to ask was, when did the door of pain, who opened it, right? Because every every time she dated a dude, this dude did this, the dude did this. And I was like, man, I wonder where this hurt started from. And the reason why I didn't ask that question, because I realized, like, oh, freak, it's you, Jared. Right, that could be narcissist, right? Me thinking like, you know, it's like that. But I, you know, the way we listen to the story, and you see where the timeline fits in. That's where it started, right? And what I did was, instead of asking that question, I made a joke. It was a funny joke. We both bust out laughing in the in the podcast. If you want to, you can go back and listen to uh, part two or part one. And the joke was, uh, I, I sh- <laughs> the joke was, listening to your life story. You know, I wanted to say I, I'm sorry. And apologize, but turns out, listening to how how your life turned out, I was like, turns out I was the best dude you ever dated. Jeez, Louise! And we bust out laughing because clearly we knew it was a lie. You know, clearly we just, oh, it was a lie. Uh, but a lot of people that listen to this podcast, like, yo, that wasn't funny. It was funny, but it was just like you were avoiding something, right? So everyone that listened to this podcast, I have producers, and the producers um, gave me feedback, and I let my lady. She, I told my lady about it. My lady's like, just because you weren't as toxic right, as the dude that did that stuff to her, whatever phase of her life when you guys got there, you are probably the highest level of toxicity that you were. Just because you're not as toxic, you still are toxic. I was like, oh, freak, you're right. So what happened was, I uh, hit Janik up. It was a little backstory before I talk about that. Uh, 
Janet, she doesn't really do social media, right? She does it, but she she'll she'll disappear. And the only people that really know are her best friends and her family and stuff like that. So every couple of years she'll pop in, pop out, pop in, pop out. And then 2019, a little backstory, she pops up, right? She pops up. We say hi. We catch up. How's everything going? Congratulations on this. Congratulations on this. And then I ask questions, and then she tells me the story about her having cancer. She tells me the story about everything else. So when I recorded this podcast with her, it's like having spark notes to someone's life story. Like a lot of the stories I knew of, so it's just like you're trying to get the specific chronological events of what happened and not trying to get ahead of yourself. If you notice, I got ahead of myself on certain parts of the story because that's how I heard it. That's how I read it. That's how I knew. So what happened was we're, we're recording the podcast and and playback to the producers and I, we noticed the same thing. So I hit up Janet and we recorded this podcast back in June, the end of June, and we knew we were going to put it, release it during October for Breast Cancer Awareness Month because this story is amazing. So we recorded this back in June. I went back and listened to it. We all listened to it. All the producers, we agreed. And I hit up Janet. I was like, hey, can we do this part over again? Because we don't edit on this podcast. Like, you can't edit natural conversations that have and stuff like that. Sometimes people ask us to take things out, but I'm like, you can't edit your life story, right? So... I was like, wow, after we listened to it, I was like, wow, this is a whole nother episode because this episode is about you, Jared Waters. And this if I was, you know, this podcast is about being alone for your own thoughts and me being alone for my own thoughts. And if this is a podcast of a time capsule of me, I was like, wow, if you think about being 87% free of being toxic, you have to talk about where did the toxic start, right? And when I became a toxic male, started at this phase of life when I met Janet, and that's when I started my toxic ways. So what happened, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, we hit her up. We redid this conversation. This conversation, I learned this uh, this exercise that I made up inside a therapy class, and I'll get how I got into this therapy class. And what we did was we did was this. You had to take six questions. The six questions that we did was this. How do we meet the first thoughts of family, the memory of a good time, a memory of a bad time, a memory of a time you never forget, and your funniest memory? And then the last part, we had to bring up an artifact. And the artifact is the reason why we made this podcast because of the artifact that I found. So ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to hear is our conversation and this is the birth of a toxic male, ladies and gentlemen. All right, it's like that. So the whole goal is, right? The whole goal is there's a part of my life that only you and all of my friends know and everyone that comes on the podcast, they answer these questions, but you have a type of access that I don't have access to because you're on the opposite end of it. Right? Okay. So you're going to take five minutes, think about these questions, and then I'm not going to respond until you finish. Then I'm going to say the memories that I remember. Then we're going to discuss the memories. Wait, so all of these questions are about you? It's about, yeah, it's about how me and you met. And I'm going to answer the questions about you. Oh, I can see what you're going to say about number two. The whole, the whole point, the whole point of the I already know. I already know what that's going to be said for that one. Okay. All right. We'll come back. We'll come back together in five minutes. Do you need time or you, I'll give you, I'll give you five minutes. All right. So you can be as most honest as you want. Don't worry about painting me in a bad light or whatever, because my podcast is about reformed toxic males mm -hmm. so anything that is toxic 
you can express the toxicity, the toxicity, because I've been talking about being toxic, but every time we get someone, they're like, they never talk about the toxic side because like, Jerry, you talk over them or you have a way of just like wiggling out and stuff like that. Why do you wear glasses? You old as F. <laughs> I was like, what? You old as F. All right, folks. So we get to we get to we get to Japan. That's where we cross paths. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about we'll just do these things called first response, right? How do we meet first thoughts of family? Memories of a good time, memory of a bad time, memories you'll never forget in your funnest memories. So what's gonna happen is you'll go first, I'll go first, and it doesn't matter if the memory's bad, if the memory's good, I'm not gonna debate the memory, then I'm gonna go, you don't debate the memory. Then at the end, we'll talk about the memories and see if they match up, see if anything else, and then we'll do it like that. Kablam? Okay. All right, madam. Do I, do I start with how we met? Yeah, the the whole goal is you. The whole <laughs> I thought goal you were is, ask me. How are you at? <laughs> okay, yeah. I'll. You know what? That'd be better. I'll just ask you ask you the questions. But the whole goal is I don't want to influence your answers at all. Just I have, ask and don't even say anything after that. That's it. That's the. That's what I'm working on because I'll debate <laughs> anything, but I'm not going to debate these answers. These are your responses, you know, and I say okay. that because. I think in life, we all have different access to different memories and you have access to a memory to a person that I was and to the person that I am. So it's always good to see like a peak of what you were and now what you've come to see the growth. All right. Okay. Rule right. question number one. Let me read it since you can't read. Um, yeah. You know, English isn't my good, my strongest suit. <laughs> yeah. I, you know what I noticed that inside your community. Okay. Number one is how did we meet? So we met in Japan, um, high school. Ready for number two? Yes. Uh, first thoughts of families? Your mom was very nice. Your brother was different. <laughs> and your dad scared me. Uh, your you, sister. Oh, free, go ahead. Your keep going. Was, I heard your sister was nice too. Okay. Third memory, memory of a good time. Uh, when you used to walk me to class. <laughs> yeah. That was your sweet side when nobody was around. You're like, yeah, let me, uh, I'm gonna walk her to class. My friends aren't around. I'm gonna walk her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sweet side. Uh, uh -huh. uh, you're going to keep going? Are you done? You ready for the next one? Yes. Uh, memory of a bad time. When you, we were on like MySpace and you made it seem like all these girls were talking to you and then they were talking crap to me and then it was like you were going to try and get me jumped by all these girls from like Atsugi and stuff and I was so mad that even I told my older sister and we went up to the what was it the BX or whatever where they said they were going to meet us and went up there with a couple girls and nobody showed up <laughs> so I was like I was like I don't know why he would do that to me 
but the whole time you're grounded. <laughs> I know. So awful. <laughs> the next one uh bad time all right memory the memory of the time you'll never forget when you tried to sneak over <laughs> well, well walk me through that because you got a different perspective of what well, my perspective was honestly all i heard was you calling me from my window or someone was calling me from my window and I go to peek and I'm in my underwear and t-shirt and then I see the front door and the light go on and I just jump back in my bed. I just figure like my dad jumped outside and I don't know what happened because you guys weren't even like quiet about it. Like you guys were loud, just like calling my name. Like people aren't asleep at that time of night. Uh, all right, the last one is the funniest, funniest memory. Um, I would say homecoming time when that song came on. You always did like this signature move of yours that it was almost like can't touch me move. <laughs> and you always did. <laughs> you always did that, but for some reason, like it always made me laugh. Like it was like. I don't know, it was always your go-to for everything. Like, even, like, in the hallway, like, no matter what, like, that was always, like, your thing. Like, you always made it. It was always something you can't just, like, forget. I don't remember what song it was. Shoot. It had to a be throwback. A, it had, it to, had be, to be a good one. R. Kelly. Wait, never mind. No, no, R. Kelly. All right. <clears throat> we don't have any artifacts. We do, but freak. Now, you got to send me those. I gotta, I'm going to print those out and give them to my son when he gets older. The letter. The elephant. I wrote. Yeah, that's your favorite animal. That's what they used to remember. <laughs> the great elephant. It is my favorite animal. Who would have thought? And you used to call yourself that in high school. <laughs> it's from this movie called Shaka Zulu. You remember that movie? Yes, I remember. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, so I want to say mine. I want to say mine. And then okay. we'll discuss each other's memory. All right? So this is mine. Uh, how we met, um, I met you, I, I, I met you before one time, uh, I met you when you were, we were walking, I forgot what we, I didn't forget. I met you when you and your friend were walking and we crossed paths and I asked you like, where you guys are from and we both moved at the same time. I forgot where we were going. Like I was going to practice and you were going somewhere else. But we met before before your freshman year. It was like that summer. When I was just like, hey, who are you? And you're like, oh, I'm this. And I was like, oh, I've never met you before. And then we like crossed paths. That was the first time you like ever crossing paths with you. Uh, first thoughts of your family. Uh, I remember, I remember the baby. I remember the baby one, the baby. 
the baby Carmen because um, I, I don't I forgot how young she was, but I remember just always saying like uh, she would come talking at the football games. She's like, "Hey, can you walk me to get a slushy?" <laughs> 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 and I was like, freak, all right, I guess I got to take care of her. We would always walk around, like, with your little sister, like, get her, like, food and stuff at the games and stuff like that. That one, uh, I remember Fina, because I remember Fina threatened me. I remember she told me one time when we first, she said something about, that's my little sister, and I promise you. She was, like, popping like this. I promise you, if you hurt her, I'm going to hurt you, and someone else is going to hurt you. And I was like, I know this chick didn't just not threaten me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember she threatened me. She goes, I got no problem. I got no problem coming up in here and making sure that she's all right. So let me know if we're ever a problem like that. And I was like, and, I was, and uh, she goes, and she goes, and don't smirk at me. And I was like, this must be, this must be reality TV. It was like that. Uh, I remember your mom. I remember your mom. Your mom was always, she was sweet. I remember she had these just these big ears, like these big ears that popped out of her hair. So every time I say something, I was like, I know she can hear me. Can she hear me? <laughs> I know she can hear me. And I think I told the memory about Junie. It was funny because Junie was playing. He was playing a game with me, and I was playing a game with him. That was the first time ever in my life at like 14 or 15 where I know I could F with an adult's head. And I remember, I have three memories of Junie. I remember the first time we met where he just opens the door and he yells at me. And he goes, what do you want? I was like, sorry, sir, I got the wrong house. Sorry, I think I'm at the wrong establishment. <laughs> and I remember baiting him because he was trying to ask me where my dad worked the whole time. He goes, where does he work? I said, somewhere in the comp squad. He goes, like, where? I know everywhere in the comp. I know everyone. I was like, I think he works on one of those elevators. He was like, the elevator? Which floor? I was like, uh, I think the third floor. He was like, the third floor? He goes, only the, the commander's on the third floor. I said, yeah, I think that's his office right there. I think he goes, you're Colonel Waters, son? I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's his rank. Oh, it's not airman. That's his rank. <laughs> so I remember him, like, talking to me and having, like, like man conversations, but, like, influence. I remember he, at the football game, he walked up to me. He goes, you know, Janet would lo really love to go to homecoming. I said, yeah, that's what I hear. I hear that. I hear that a lot. And he's all like, it would be nice if you took her. She really, no, oh, he goes, it'd really, really be nice that you should ask her. And I would F with him and goes, I don't even know if I want to go, to be honest with you. I don't know if I want to go. You know, homecomers are just so lame. And he was saying, and he goes, he goes, if you want to take her, you can ask me and I'll say yes. I said, well, I don't know yet. And then I walked in. I walked in. Oh my God. So every time he would F with me, I would F with him because it was just like when he tried to intimidate me, I was like, you can't intimidate me. I just fought your boss a minute ago. <laughs> I, like, I just yelled at your boss. And I remember, uh, that's what I remember. Uh, that was me meeting your family. That was like first time I ever meet like a bunch of girls at one time. Uh, a good time. This is a good time. It was at homecoming. It was at homecoming. It was a conversation leading to homecoming. I remember uh, you were the one that convinced me to stay wrestling. I don't know if you remember that. I remember I told you I was quitting. And I was like, I'm going to play basketball. He's like, why are you playing basketball? And I was like, F, everybody has fun playing basketball. And you're like, why do you want to follow your friends? You're good at wrestling. You should wrestle. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, wrestling ain't fun. I was like, and then she goes, no, you should wrestle. I remember you convincing me to wrestle. And then we went to homecoming. And I remember that night. I remember that night because it was like that the most epic night where we took all these thug pictures and it was like the coldest pictures that we ever took. 
And I remember Junie, that's my other memory of Junie coming in at 11 and saying, you had to go. I'm like, what the freak? He's like, it's time to go. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Yeah. I'm like, freak, it's only 11 o'clock, man. <laughs> she doesn't live on this side. She has to go. And I was like, freak, why well, live on the west side? I remember that because everybody took all these epic pictures and I didn't have any pictures. I was taking all the pictures. Uh, that was the one. Uh, this is a memory of a bad, this is a mad, mad, bad memory of mine, but now it's good. Uh, I remember, this is my memory of public shame. I remember that you publicly shamed me. And I remember that was when I turned sweet to mad, sweet to mad. Like I grew up in a religious household and you know, like a religious household, we didn't talk about this is me exploring myself now. Like we didn't talk about like sex or anything else like that, right? And I remember we had a conversation and I told you, I was like, look, I just want to be, I want to have, I want to be married before I had sex. And I remember you bust out laughing like, what? And I was like, yeah, that's the way to go. And I remember you told Corey and I remember the whole football team talking to me in the locker room saying, money, are you telling me that you ain't getting the skins? I'm like, what? And I remember the whole football team cheering me on saying, yes, you, no, they said, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, <laughs> you can do it. And I remember being like publicly embarrassed, like, freak, now I gotta do it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so embarrassed, I was so embarrassed, and I was so mad at you, guys. like, the only person I trusted told everyone my deepest secret. And I remember after I did it, the football team cheered me on to money, money, money. Oh my God. It's crazy because I called DJ the other week and DJ goes, you remember that? I taught you, right? And I was like, I don't want to remember this. <laughs> so you're on a slide, right? I was like, yeah. That was one of my, it's a bad memory. It's a memory now I look back on. Now it's like, it's something that I deal with like public shame, like being embarrassed. But now like as a man, like I embrace like being what I am. Yeah. Uh, my funny memory I'll never forget. Uh, you already know this memory. I remember when you guys poisoned me. That was my, the memory I'll never forget. I remember... It's because, you know, the reason why I thought it was funny, because I don't know if your sister remembers this. I saw your sister at a movie theater, right? And I wasn't with anybody, but she was at a movie theater. And me and Garrett go, Garrett, Garrett goes, is that her boyfriend? I was honest, I don't know who the F it is, but it's somebody I never met before. And she looked at me in the movie theater, looked at me, and she goes, where are you supposed to be? I said, where are you supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I, I don't know, I was like, maybe she thinks I'm here with somebody else, but I was here with Garrett. But I remember when I got to the house, and I was like, everybody knows I'm allergic to fish. Why the freak are they feeding me fish? And I remember just like not breathing, not breathing, choking at the table. And I remember your dad getting worried because he dropped his plate. That's what I remember. He dropped his fork when he goes, who's your dad again? I was like, oh, it is Colonel Water. Then he dropped his fork and goes, ding. And then I remember just like choking. I was like, man, I'm trying to take Benadryl. And then when I got out the house, it was like two hours. I was trying to like man up and like fight all these swellings and stuff like that, taking Benadryl. And as soon as DJ picks me up, I'm just like, hold on. I hit myself with an EpiPen. And the funniest moment, the funniest moment, I don't know if you remember this, Coach Kitts had me, helped me plan this prank. So I remember I walked you to class, I walked you to class, but we had the same homeroom. We had the same homeroom and we exchanged letters all the time. So exchanged letters and you're like, where's my letter? I was like, your letter's in my bag. And she goes, where'd you put your bag? I was like, my bag's right there. And you reach inside my book bag and I put all these fake spiders inside there and you scream and start cursing in class. You're like, holy, you're like, yes. And then Coach Kitts goes, hey, hey, Jenna, we don't talk like this in the classroom. And I remember, I remember you walking over and just 
hitting me like this, like this. And the funniest thing is like you left and Coach Kitts goes, I think that worked. I think it worked. I really think, I really think it worked. He helped me plan that. We laugh about that to this day. When we met in Orlando, he's like, you remember when you did that? I was like, yeah. He's like, how do you know it's going to work? I was like, she's so scared of spiders, man. So I put, I put like three spiders. So you reached inside there. You remember those fat, it was like a tarantula that looked real. Oh, God, stop, yes. You just freaked out. You freaked out. Like, push the chair over. Push the chair over. You're embarrassed. And I was just laughing so hard. I was laughing. <laughs> and you're like, you freaking embarrassed me. And I was like, everyone just started laughing. Everyone started laughing. I remember you pushing that hard door and just walking off. And I was like, man, that was the funniest thing I ever. <laughs> oh my gosh! You oh. <laughs> I hate spiders. Oh god, just the thought. I hate them. Oh so man, much. you were so scared, and I was just. <laughs> All right, so now, All right, we're going to discuss. We'll discuss the memories. So we met, I think, yeah, you, you met me at high school. I think I, I remember that one. My brother. Oh, yeah, my brother. I remember my mother. You're the first person that met my mother. My mother used to make fun and go, I'm Latina. I'm Latina. <laughs> Your mom was always so nice, though. That's what she said. Like, After that, my mom thought I was gay for like seven years. <laughs> <laughs> I kid you not. Before she met my lady, she kept asking me the whole time. She's like, if you're gay, you can let me know. I was like, I'm not gay. She goes, if you are, it's okay. I know that, you know, you haven't been with a woman. <laughs> so funny, though. And I accept you. And I was like, all right, thanks, I guess. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Convincing me. All right, so you said good time. I forgot I used to do that. I forgot. I forgot. You did. I forgot. Yeah, I, think... I used to walk me to class all the time. Like, I would be at my locker, and you would come to my locker, and you'd come give me a hug. And you would like, it's almost like you looked around to make sure no, like your friends weren't around just so they wouldn't pick at you. And then like, you're like, all right, let's go to class. I'm going to walk you to your class. And you, know, like, okay. you know what's crazy? And I was like at first. The but... crazy part is, is that my friends, they have a different idea. They said that I was the one that was always PDA. Be like, yeah, let's come on. Let's go. Hey, let's go. You walking her to class? Yeah, yeah I'm walking her. No. I think, like, at first you were like that, and then after a little bit, like, once, like, it was, like, more, like, official, I guess you could say, I would wear, like, your jacket, then you walk with your arm around me, and I just felt so adorable, like, oh, my God, like, this is my boo, like, that's how it was, like, you're, it was almost like just a little kid in a candy shop, like, that's just how it was after a little bit, and then you turned mean. When you say I turned mean, where did, do you remember, do you remember when the the meanness started? Was it like, was it, was it like mean, mean? Or like, no, mean, like you weren't like mean. It was almost like roasting mean. I really don't remember like where our falling out happened, but it was almost like, I guess, like with the whole like girls writing you or making it anonymous, like you can make it anonymous and it doesn't, you could, you could be writing it, but it says anonymous. And then it's like all these girls are writing you. And then I would like write, and I would get so mad, like why are and why are you letting these girls like, you know, talk to you like that? And you just didn't care or whatever. You like you got in this I don't care thing, and I'm gonna get these girls to jump you or whatever. And I was like, dang, like okay, 
Like, I was upset. My feelings were hurt. And I was like, he just doesn't love me, blah, blah, blah. Like, it was, like, a whole... I felt like then is when you changed. And I really, I don't remember, like, why we, like, fell out or why things changed. But that's when I started, like, I started to really dislike you. That's and then when I was ready to leave, I really was just so ready to go. Like, I just could not stand you at that time. Like, I was, I didn't like you. Like, you know, that's you crazy. made me not like you. Like, what the heck? You know, the craziest part is all of our memories, the memories meet up, right? So when that, that meanness happened, that's when, that's my worst moment is the same time as your worst moment, right? So like that mm -hmm. public shame after that happened, I was like, well, nothing, I was like, nothing's the same. Like, I'm not, I was like, I, there's no point in me staying with a person that, you know, because if I don't do this, someone else will do it, so F it. And I knew I was leaving, and I remember I got, I'm never, I'm never, I got advice from this, this college kid, and he goes, Honestly, man, you'll never get remembered. They only remember the bad guys. And I said, they do? I said, well, that's who I got to be. And I remember, I remember just like, I was like, in reality, I was always thinking, I was like, who in reality would believe any of these stories that I'm making up? I was like, who in reality would believe that I had eight women around Japan that would come and beat somebody up at a BX? So when stuff happened, I was just laughing the whole time when they're like, yeah, they're about to fight at the BX. And I was like, this is so crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, so mad I like even when I told my sister she had got one of her friends who was older as well she was like no these bitches are coming with like these their moms and whatever she goes no we're gonna come out full-blown and we're gonna fight dirty it doesn't even matter how many there are because there's only three of us she goes we're fighting dirty I was like I was like okay and I was like a little nervous because you know I was so tiny and I was like okay but I'm gonna fight like I don't care I don't care if I get my butt whooped I'm just gonna go for it my sister brought bats, they brought like chains, they brought like all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, no, we're really going to use this stuff. Like, that's what I was thinking. It's just like, yeah, we got to fight dirty. If there's like 20 of them and their mamas are coming, they're going to come try and fight a little kid. No. She goes, I'm about to come fight. I was like, oh my gosh. And then when we get there to the BX and I'm all like, well, okay, well, we're here and I'm writing and I'm like, we're here. Like, where are you guys? Nobody showed up. And I was like, all right, so these girls are not showing up. So you guys are like, what do you want to do? She was like, let's go get some food in the BX so we can just, you know, eat something. And then if they show up, we'll just go and fight. And I was like, and then nobody ever showed. Like we waited around, like nobody showed. And I was like, all right, time to go home, I guess. I think it's because I got in a fight in Kinnick and that's when everyone thought it was a war. You remember that? Because I got, I got in a fight in Kinnick. I got... I I fought him off though. I only got jumped by like six people, but I ended up I ended up saving saving Amy. So after that, yeah, I was gonna say Amy got jumped. I was the one that stopped it. I was like, yeah, hey, oh, oh, freak, she just got effed up. Maybe I should help. And then next, you know, yeah, let me let me go help her. <laughs> you're like, what happened? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I broke my. I still got that thing. Remember, I broke my. I broke my jaw. I got I got hit. That's someone someone cracked my jaw. But I remember that. I remember just. Being like, man, what does it take for these people to just break up with me? Freaking nothing. They'll fight. They'll bleed. Nothing. No one. I said, no one likes us. So I remember I had to talk to the counselor because the counselor, I think I told that story about your arms. The counselor told me. And she goes, why would you break up with anybody with a letter? I said, because I want them to remember the moment. <laughs> he said, she must sound loud. She looked at me and goes, you can't be man to man. I said, you know 
I thought it was always the funniest thing and the dopest thing for someone to open a letter and not know what's inside. And then like, I love seeing like emotion. I love, I love women that cry. I love seeing women cry. Not now, but I love seeing like the dramatics of just like you're opening a letter. Hey, how you do? You go from like, Hey, how you doing? Hope your day's good. By the way, I think we should break up. That's why I want all those <laughs> artifacts. That's why I want them all. Cause I got to read them. I got to read them. Cause I was like, Oh, so like I wrote, so in my Zanga, right, I had this blog that I would write, I would do document all of my moments and stuff like that. So that was um, that memory that I said, um, that one, I remember I was just, I was so upset with myself, not upset with myself, because I realized I was like, now I've, I was like, F it, I'm just, I hope I said it, I forgot I said, it. I was like, hate and love is the same emotion. So I have to make sure somebody hates me. If they hate me, they'll never forget me. I was like, you can never forget the person that you hate at all. No one remembers the person that you hate. And I remember you talking me into wrestling because I was like, I'm quitting. And you're like, why the freak are you quitting? You're actually good at wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, cause it's not fun. She goes, it is fun. All your friends are there. And I remember you like talking, talking me into it. She goes, you're going to regret this if you don't wrestle just because you want to play basketball with your friends and chase girls and Atsugi. And I was like, oh, freak. that was one of the... <laughs> And you're like, and I'm going to be a cheerleader so I can watch most of the wrestling matches at home so I know where you're going to be. I know where you're at 24-7. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. Uh, the homeroom prank, that was the funniest thing i ever seen before in my life. The funniest thing. Because I right. played pranks on everyone and we would always laugh about the pranks that I did. But when I got you, it was just like, you got red. You ran that I just I just hate spiders and even to this day like I that thing can be so tiny and I see that I'm calling my dad to come over to my house to kill it like that's how it is and he's like seriously like and those, those uh, Japanese just, spiders look real because they had hair on them and stuff like that uh, so I remember I dropped I put it in my bag I was like just open the bag it's freaking I promise you, if you open the bag the letter's there and you're like I can't find it I was like open the back part and you just, you just threw them. <laughs> oh God! Now I'm I just... back on it. I was like, I realized Coach Kids, Coach Kids did almost everything I asked him to, which is not a, which is not a problem. <laughs> he says, "We don't curse in here. We don't do that here." And then he was just like, he goes, "How bad was it?" I was, like, "It's pretty bad, man." But it was funny as that. <laughs> it was, it was super funny. Yeah, it was. Um... <sighs> That's like a heart attack happening. So this is where, so this is where I find, so this is why I wrap up all the memories. The reason why I wrap up the memories, because I do this thing with the people on the podcast where like, if you ever take two jars, right. And you dump all of it out. I don't want anything to ever happen to me where you don't know the way I felt about you. Are you the way you felt about me? I feel like everyone should give the love that you should give, give everyone their flowers while they're here. And the reason why I publicly, I realized last time I didn't publicly give you your flowers because I think in life, when I, in 2012, when I took all these therapy classes and stuff like that, when they asked me this question, like if your ex was writing a life story, what would they write about you? And I was writing just all the negative stuff that I did. And I was like, does the good outweigh the bad? And I realized that I, I deal with this thing now. My lady tells me all the time, is like, you're very charming. So when you're charming, even though when you do mean and hateful stuff, you can smile and get away with it. So people don't hate you forever. So people just like, even how, how worse it got, it's like, that's what someone said. You're like a Charmander. It's like, even how worse it got, I remember, just, I remember you saying like, you got all these girls that fight me. I was like, I would never do that. 
I would never in my life have people try to beat you up. Like, why the freak would I do that? I was like, I've been in my house the whole time. And then eventually you were just like, Jared would never do that. And I was like, yeah, I w- why would I do that? Why? <laughs> why would I do that? So I deal with that now. Uh, not now, but I've dealt with now. So the reason why I say that is because in 2012, I realized that forgiveness is really not about you. It's about the other person, right? Mm-hmm. So when you truly forgive a person, the other person on the end has to find a way to understand why you forgave them, right? Even though years go by or time goes by and stuff like that. So when you truly forgive a person that's really truly intended to hurt you, that person gets eaten inside because that person's wondering, how can they forgive me? What type of power do they have to forgive me and stuff like that? So when I dealt with forgiveness, I had to learn to forgive myself for a lot of things that I did. And the reason why I say that is because when you forgave me, when I forgave myself in 2012, that's when I found my lady. And we brought that together. And I was like, wow, I realized that when I finally understood that I can't blame people for problems that I caused in myself. I can't blame something that happened eight years ago for the reason why I'm mean to people. I can't blame, I can't say one moment in my life is the reason why I treated a lot of people poorly for like years, for like years. And I would just smile and get out get away with it. And when I finally did that, I was like, oh, wow, it's off. And I was like, man, so when I said, if someone had to write the life story, I said, it'll be bad in the middle, but at the end, it'll be good. So I always wanted to say thank you for being that because you, for me, you remind me of like the good times in my life. You remind me of the part of my life that I learned to understand. And I'm like a type of friend that's like over, overbearing. I'm like the friend is like, what's wrong? Are you okay? Like everything else, like it's, it's annoying, but that's the type of person. Cause I never want you to leave the earth and realize like, no, if you're talking about Jared Waters, no, we generally had nothing but love for each other. So mm-hmm. I thank you for being now a friend. I thank you now for being an influence. I really still, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm not going to say you're going to die soon or anything else, but, I, <laughs> but I'm just, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that if anything were to happen, I'm glad that we had this conversation and we finally, as two people, finally just let people know, not let people know, let each other know. Yeah. I'm thankful for you. That's what I would like to say. Thank you. And my heart. (laughs) And I'm truly, and I truly think, I say this all the time, I think you should get on Hinge. I said it will help set up your dating profile. Like, I just want to see you happy. That's all I want. I was like, I just want to see you happy. I, I noticed that I know it hurts me not knowing that my friends aren't happy. You know what I mean? That hurts me knowing that. And I realize that it's called Superman complex where you're trying to take mm-hmm. on everyone's different problems and stuff like that. And I've noticed yeah. that I've, I've learned to stop. But at the same time, I'm just like, man, why can't, why can't my friends be happy? I guess it just comes with time, I guess. Day by day, man. Yeah. So just, just my only thing is just don't die on me. Please don't do that. Um, Try my best. Well, driving in Florida, <laughs> anything can happen. You're driving in Florida. Oh yeah, you are right. So yeah, anything else for you, madam? No, I'm glad that we got to do this. I really appreciate it. I love you from the bottom of my heart. You've always been a good friend. You know, 
So I'm glad I got to do this with you. All right, folks, that was our, our sixth question. That was our conversation. Uh, the reason why we didn't have an artifact because we didn't have enough time. Uh, Janet is a nurse, and she's a mother. She has a very busy life. And this is we did this in the peak of, like, COVID, when COVID was, like, getting there. So she was, like, super busy, and we took time to, to do this. And, you know, I'm a stand-up comic, so I was busy as well. So we did that. But what I did find was an artifact, and that's why we changed this episode to The Birth of a Toxic Male because this artifact that I found justify like the feelings and emotions and the stories that we were telling because I the artifact was I broke into my old Zanga page, right? And what I used to do back in the day, right, this is just me exploring myself. I used to write in these journals, but I stopped writing journals because my parents were religious. They would break into all my stuff and like know all my business. So I started just blogging through like Zanga and stuff like that. And every five months, every two months I blog my emotions, blog everything else. And that was like my way to just like have like my thoughts, you know, like to just Blurred out my thoughts, but now I do different like audio recording and stuff like that. So that's what I did. And uh, the reason why I developed, how I developed this six questions, what happened is 2012, 2011, I started going to chronic therapy. Like I've been doing therapy like for like years, like years, but I didn't know I was in chronic therapy. What happened was back in 2012, uh, 2011, I moved back to Tampa. 2010, I graduated college, moved back to Tampa in 2011. I started working around and uh, I met this girl that I worked with in Orlando when I moved to Orlando. And uh, she was an exotic dancer, right? She was an exotic dancer and we met <laughs> and we worked together and she was an exotic dancer. And she told me she's an exotic dancer and I, I didn't believe it until she showed me where she performed it. And then she goes, don't judge me when I tell you what I do for a living. I said, girl, I ain't gonna judge you. And then she showed me that she was an exotic dancer. And I said, hey, just because she dances, go, go. It don't make her a hold, though. Maxine, put your records on, hun. We go into the disco. We're going to heal up to Mexico. Call up my mama, said I'm in love with a stripper, yo. <laughs> uh, shout out to White Club John. Now, I'm going to break it down. This is how I'm describing these stories. So my stories are going to be animated with a lot of singing and dancing because that's how I express stories, correct? So she meets me at uh, peak toxicity, right? This is me at Super Saiyan uh, 4 toxicity, right? And this episode is how I got to the original Super Saiyan of toxicity, the, the beginning stages. So we're not going to go to level 4, but how I got to level 1, right? So um, <clears throat> what happened was she's telling me that she's a, you know pretty much a stripper and whatever. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And uh, we used to get off work at the same time. We worked madly from like 10 o'clock at night to six in the morning so it was like very dangerous to drive so i would always drive home and she lived near where i lived drop her off home and then she's asking like hey you have a car uh do you mind taking me to class and i'm like okay you know ain't no stripper going to college i've heard these stories before turns out she's really going to college she's getting her master's in uh, uh psychology and social work so she was like doing group therapy and stuff like that and uh, she was in all these classes and she was taking them but she was like mad tired and she had another class that she dropped that she had to take tuesdays and wednesdays and when we worked at Disney World, our Fridays would be different days. So my Friday was a Monday, and then I had Tuesday and Wednesday off. So she was, like, stressed out about stuff. We were hanging out, and, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm definitely finessing her, but at the same time, this is me, you know, talking as, as a former toxic. So, uh, so pretty much I was like, hey, I got an idea. Uh, I'll go to class for you, right, because I went to class with her because when I dropped her off at class, she goes, you want to come in with me? And sure, and I had a really good time. It was like we were debating things and everything else, and, they said, you can always come to this class. And at the time, I, if I was guessing, I would say her professor was probably a customer because he knew way too much about what she did for a living. 
but in that type of setting, like everyone was expressive and everyone knew about each other. And it was like a really a group therapy type of thing. So I get it now. So, um, she's pretty much telling the complaints. He goes, if you can get the notes and you can keep doing it and you can do your practicum, you can do it. So I was like, Hey, I'll do it for you. But you got to let me and my friends come to your establishment every time we want to. Uh, we don't want VIP tables, but we get free admission. She goes, sure. I could work that out. I said, also, I need those Disney tickets. <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, you know, I don't want to use them now. You know, I might want to take a girl somewhere. You know, the Disney tickets came in handy. So she goes, sure, no problem, right? So uh, everything's going to do with, like, doing group therapy. And what happened was uh, it was, like, months that we're doing these classes and these courses, and it's, like, really draining on the mind and stuff, questioning everything else. And I'm only maybe the top only four dudes in there with probably 18 people. So maybe three, you know, dudes are there. And I'm giving a different perspective, which is the reason why I like it. So what happened was this woman, she was telling us a story about her ex-boyfriend, how he's a Marine. He got back from Afghanistan. He changed everything else. Uh, he got very toxic. And this is them using the word toxic at the time. And they fell out. And all of a sudden, he comes back to their town. And she wants to go. He asked her, can they talk? Right? Now, she's saying all this bad stuff of what he did, everything else. And me, uh, you know, I'm, I love taking the opposite side of the coin. And I said... And this is how I started. I said, if your ex was writing a life story about you, how would you be perceived in this story? How would you be drawn out to be? And she paused. And she goes, uh, well, I don't know. I said, well, maybe that's what you guys should talk about. Because clearly, you know, I'm like sticking up for I got a lot of my friends are veterans and stuff like that. And I was like, clearly, you don't know what it's like to go to Afghanistan. You don't know what it's like to go to war. You don't know what it's like to adjust back to this country. And you probably have undiagnosed uh, mental health issues and stuff like that. And she goes, wow, I never thought about it like that. And then we developed these six questions. And it was like everyone polling questions. I was like, you should have talked about how you guys first met. And you tell it, then he doesn't talk, then you do it, right? And the reason why I say that, because when people first meet, are very. you remember the first time you meet somebody, right? Good memory, bad memory, and I said a funny memory. That was mine. Everyone else can remember, you won't forget. And boom, she says she did it. And she goes, wow, that was really great. Thank you for that. And they, I don't know what happened, because like, whatever. So, um. She did that. So what happened in 2012, which sparked these events that happened because I hit up Jen in 2012. Uh, what happened was in 2012, we had these two dudes that went to our high school and Yakota, they passed away, right? And they, I think it was a car crash. Uh, Justin Brahas and his little brother, Joshua Brahas, right? So when they, when they died, my dear friend uh, Shamari hits me up and he goes, man, can you believe that happened? And I was like, no, nah, man, that's freaking sad as F. And uh, at the time, I'm living in Tampa, I'm living in Orlando, but, you know, I was in Tampa. So all my friends are in Tampa now, like Dana, Ryan, Jonica, like a lot of people are in Tampa, Leroy. And uh, I go to Dana's house because Dana's, like, sad and stuff. And, uh, you know, I try to cheer people up. And this is, like, a couple couple days that gone by. And Shamar hits me. I was like, that's why we got to make sure that we make it right with people, man. We got to make sure that we give everybody the love while they're here, you know. And he's just like, man, look at his ex. Ashley, she's really going through it, man. You see your man? Dang. I was like, yeah, these pictures are crazy, right? Freak. I was like, you just, you just remember that, right? I'm going to talk about a memory that I have of, of Justin, right? And uh, so Dana, I'm hanging out with Dana, and she's telling me, like, I'm just trying to be there for Ashley right now, da 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 And I was like, well, you know, I, I said, I'm curious. What do you think his current girlfriend's thinking about this? Like, see, you know, imagine she's grieving and seeing this. And I was just like, just, you know, I'm in these therapy classes. I'm just just trying to look at the different side of you and she just blacks out on me she goes Jared what the freak she can grieve how she wants to da 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 and you're a dick and she's like you know we're family so she could yell at me like that and then and then she goes you could get out and leave so she kicks me she kicks me out of her house and uh you know she texts me back you know I was just 
you know, this wasn't the time for you to think like that. You know, this is just me thinking out loud. And before she kicks me out the house, she goes, you know, good and well, if you were to die, if you, if Janet were to die, you'd be devastated. And I was like, no, I wouldn't be devastated. I, I think I'd recover. And then she goes, get, she's like, get out. This macho man stuff. And da, da, da. so she's fussing me out. And what happened was, you know, when it's something about this world that we live in, right? These certain friends, I've lived in different pockets, like the people I went to grow up in the Netherlands with, the people that I grew up in college, we have these different bonds, right? And the bond with my, Jap- my, my Japanese family is completely, you know, it's completely different than everyone else. So I go back to therapy, the, the class, and we're talking, we're talking about our days, we're talking about the highs and everything else. And I tell them the situation, and they ask me, like, uh, you know, how do you feel? about your friend passing away. I was like, you know, we were more acquaintances and stuff like that. I was like, but it's sad. I, I feel the hurt of all my friends because he was a big part of the community. I met Justin uh, 20 years ago. I remember I was in eighth grade, and I think I was about to, they were about to jump me because I was hanging out with, like, I forgot who I was hanging out with, and they were talking trash. Good thing we didn't fight. But I have two memories of Justin. I remember when he almost killed a dude when we were at wrestling, you're wrestling, uh, Far East wrestling that happened in Japan. These dudes were talking smack from Kubasaki, and I see Justin just, boom, boom, dude head first, hits the pavement, and just goes into a coma. And we're like, oh, he's dead, and everyone just, like, ran off. I remember, like, I think, I don't know if the guy's dead or not, but I remember that. I remember Justin just, boom, this big Mexican dude, boom. Then I remember this funny memory how we uh, were coming out of practice for something. It's dark, and Ashley's in the car, and Justin's in the car, and they start racing. It's me and Shamar in the car, and we hit something, and we spin, and all this dust is flying inside our freaking thing. And uh, and uh, I was like, man, it was just so funny. I remember we just laughed the whole time. And every time we saw each other, it was always just peace, you know, whatever. It was always cool. We just, you know, we didn't hang out all the time, but it was just, like, sad. So I'm talking to these these therapists and the people in my class, or her class, but, you know, whatever. And they said, uh, Oh, what about her grieving? I was like, you know, I was, my friend brought up a point and said, like, if my ex would have died, would you be devastated? And I was like, I told her no, but in truth, I, I'd be devastated. I'd be sad. I'd be sad. And they asked me, like, well, what was the story with you and your ex? And then this girl gets smart and goes, if she was writing the life story, what would she say? And I was like, oh, F. I was like, nothing nice. And, like, why is there nothing nice? So I told the story. This is the story I told before we did, like, the therapy. Like, what happened? I said, did she break your heart? I said, she didn't break my heart. I broke my own. And all the girls in the class, like, oh, my God, what do you mean? I said, it's like you know your heart's about to be broken, so you break it yourself so they won't have the justification of breaking it. And, you know, it's me. You know, I'm, I'm toxic. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm trying to see what other girls in this class is really about to pop off, you know. <laughs> and uh, so they asked me the story, and I tell them this, you know, the sad version that I used to create. I was like, you know, she uh, first chick that ever cheated on me. And everybody's like, oh, my God, how did you recover? I said, it was tough. <laughs> and then like what else I was like she was the one that pretty much took my virginity they're like oh were you molested I was like, I wasn't molested but I was I was I was I was shamed into giving my virginity away and people were like oh my god right now the professor didn't believe any of this stuff and then he goes well tell me the story so I had to tell the story and this is the story what we said and they said if you're actually telling the life story I could tell it so this is me telling the story uh so I'm telling them, I was like, look, we met in 2002. Me and Janet met in 2002. At the time when we first met, she was old. Like when I met her, I was like, man, you're freaking old to be in this class. Because I was like walking to somewhere to visit, like Miss Hampton or something. And uh, and she was just like, hi. I was like, hey, how are you? Now, uh, the, the legend goes, not the legend goes, but the stories goes when we met. She was just saying like, oh, I've heard about you. And the truth is she probably did. 
uh, because my freshman year, she was a year behind me, but she was older than me, right? But my freshman year, uh, me and my freshman class, we took advantage of social media, right? In Yakota, in the Air Force Base, there's a lot of dudes there, not that many girls, so everyone is cross-contamination, you know what I mean? So it's a fight for girls, it's a fight for people, not that many people there. So what I did was, a smart move was, we invested into online, and we started finding girls from different bases, right? So what we did was, when we played sports, the JV, this is the junior varsity, right, we'd go there, and you meet girls from other bases, and while the varsity is playing, we would hook up with girls, right? And to the point where everyone went to a different base, we always used to divide. We did divided things up, like this is toxic stuff. We divided it like how Europe divided, like the Middle East. We would just carve up, like, all right, Jared, you got uh, ASIJ, DJ, you got Atsugi, Manuel, you got this. And then we all would all just rotate when we all go there, like, yo, da 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 da, my boy's coming in town, boom. And then girls would show up to our games and to our matches. So we just had, like, that's what we used to do. So at the time, she goes, I heard you're a player. I said, yeah, that's probably right, right? And uh, so then uh, the second time we meet, and that's when we started talking, talking, was 2003. 2003, uh, I was playing football, right? And uh, at the time, it was in the summer. In the summer, we did two-a-days and everything else. Uh, but we would have these preseason games that everyone came. Now, let me break it down to you. I dealt with three things as as a, as a young man. These three things that I've dealt with that I learned in therapy was public shame, embarrassment, and the fear of being hurt. Those are the three things that I dealt with at the time, and those three things would trigger a lot of responses that I did not like, right? Uh, public embarrassment, I didn't like it because my father used to embarrass me. And, you know, he's a Southern dude, so Southern people, they, you know, I probably embarrassed him by our actions growing up getting in trouble. But, like, the embarrassment of just, like, taking me out and, like, yelling at me in front of people, that was something that I don't do. And to this day, I don't like people yelling at me, right? We could talk civilized. Uh, and uh, shame, you know, being shamed to doing stuff. Uh, and the last thing was the fear of being hurt. Those are the three things I dealt with that I've learned. So we were playing. Now, when I say that the embarrassment happened and the shame is because when you are a young teenage teenager, the biggest thing in my life at the time was playing varsity football. Like, that was the mecca at the time, varsity football. Being a JV player, like, when you get varsity football, because varsity had the, the blue pads, and they had the white shirts, and they had the, the gold pants. They would switch it up. They were like the Oregon Ducks, so making varsity was everything, right? So freshman year, we all play freshmen, so no one expected to be in the varsity, but freshmen getting tackles, everything else. I started my JV year, and then... The summer, it was just weights, weights, lift, run, weights, weights, lift, run, get up, weights, back, run, two-a-days, everything, right? So uh, everyone makes varsity, except my guy Prashad, and the reason why I'm going to say this is because it calls back to what happened, and Prashad is pissed about not making varsity, and we're all trying to cheer Prashad up, and I was like, yo, man, keep your head up, man, keep your heart. Uh, I'm like, yo, it's all good, PC. You're going to be on JV, man. You're going to be like Michael Vick down here, man. You're going to break all the records, man. You're going to get the most playing time ever, man. Don't even worry about it. And Prashad's like, he's still pissed. He doesn't want to be down there. And that's what I'm saying to him, right? So after our preseason games, before uh, the season, you would play Japanese teams. You would play like regular, you know, Japanese high school teams or semi-pro teams that do that. So game one, and that's when uh, uh, me and Janet met, we met again. And we're just like, hi, how are you? And she was like, good. And then she's like, are you still a player? And I was like, no, I'm not a player. Uh, at the time, I did have a couple. I had a girl, my girl, ASIJ. I had a girl, CIJ, and a chick I was talking to in Zama. And uh, we started talking. And she was like, oh, I'm not, you know, I don't want to. I was like, I'm not, I'm not a player. So we started talking some more. And it started getting serious. So I tell all the girls that I have, I get on MSN, MSN Messenger, and I tell them, hey, stand back and stand by. <laughs> stand down and stand by. <laughs> uh <laughs> I didn't really say I didn't say it like that, but I just pretty much, you know, 
you know, we, we all, you know, I just sever ties in a nice way. So we start talking, right? Every time we finished a football game, uh, we would talk and everything else. And then uh, we just officially just started dating, right? We just started dating. And uh, I told her, like, you know, I, I would like to, you know, start dating. She's like, yeah, let's do it. We start talking and start dating, right? And the thing is, I didn't want to date uh, before I started school because, you know, being a varsity player was a whole nother level of uh, of game that we weren't used to because I was like, man, when you're a varsity player, the girls the girls keep coming. And then I realized that, you know, JV is a whole lot better because after the varsity games, we had time to, like, actually go around on base and do what we wanted to do. So uh, varsity, right? I'm on the varsity team, and before the last game, the preseason game, I get kicked off varsity, right? Last preseason, I got kicked off, like, in the most embarrassing way. Uh, I'm not playing in practice, but, you know, I'm always sprinting everything out. Coach B goes, Jared, go down to JV. And I was like, yo, so what uh, What am I going to do down there? Get to JV. I was like, what, but what am I going to do? I don't understand what my purpose there in JV is. I'm above it. Get to JV. And he sends me to JV. I'm pissed. I throw my helmet, throw my shirt, all that other stuff. I think I left my socks on the field. And uh, and that's just the most embarrassing thing because that was the pinnacle. I was like, man, I had it. And then in life, that kind of taught me in life how to just, it doesn't matter how hard you work, some things you're just not going to get, right? I didn't know that at the time. So I'm pissed, right? Super pissed. And uh, I'm telling Janet, like, yo, I got kicked off varsity. And at the time, she doesn't understand because she's a freshman. And she's like, but you're still playing football, right? That's cool. And this is how much of a nerd couple we were because she only got it when I broke it down into, like, uh, like synonyms and anonyms. I was just like, I was like, I'm like Vegeta because we're like Dragon Ball Z nerds. And she goes, how are you like Vegeta? I was like, all my friends are going Super Saiyan except me. And she goes, oh. I was like, everyone is in the Namek and I'm just here. I'm just here. And she goes, but, you know, it's still, you're still playing. She was, like, trying to cheer me up. And I was like, yeah, I was, like, super depressed, right? Super depressed and just, just mad. Not depressed, but just mad, upset. And that's why I say when people play sports, they got to be, like, a therapist on that football field to talk to somebody. So when I see uh, Last Chance You on, on Netflix, I'm glad they got, like, a, a, a worker, a social worker there to talk to these kids because it was effed up your psyche. The feeling of not being enough was something that I dealt with. Like, man, I felt like I wasn't enough. I couldn't make this team, right? So I'm telling her, and, you know, I guess she's getting tired of hearing it. And uh, she, like, invited me somewhere. But, you know, I had two days. And then uh, while we're doing uh, practice, work from the grapevine, and she, she just hauls off and cheats on me, right? Hauls off and cheats on me. Now let me back it up before so I could break it down why I did what I did. Now, before she cheated, before we started dating, my freshman year, I started reading these books, uh, The Iceberg Slim, uh, Pimp. I read that book. I started reading all these psychological books and everything else, this art of seduction, everything else, because we knew to get these girls in different bases and to get these girls around, we had to be, our game had to be elevated, like how to be a player, all that other stuff, because we were competing with airmen and competing with all these other dudes. So it was like a freaking jungle out there. So like, your game had to be tight, right? Your game had to be tight. I was very manipulative, everything else, how to play with people's minds. I had that, right? I've learned that. I remember this girl in my neighborhood, uh, she was, I th she was pretty much a pimp. She had all these, like, freaking, she was enlisting. She had all these just officers, like, running through her house. And, uh, and I would just go to her house and just ask her questions and just learn, do everything else. So I was very wise and, you know, among my ears. So she cheats on me, right? And uh, I'm pissed, right? I'm pissed. I got to fight this dude. And I'm not pissed, but I'm, like, depressed at the time because I'm not on varsity. So I'm the sad and <laughs> I'm depressed. You ever seen Ninja Turtles 1? 
where uh, Raphael is face down in a tub and then Leonardo's just sitting there depressed and April O'Neil's drawing a picture. That's exactly how I felt, just down. And I'm like, dang, freak, I'm not enough for her either. So I was like, well, I got to square up with this dude. So I, I consult like my Oracle people and I'm like, I got to fight this dude. Everybody's like, yeah, F it. So I get my CD, I'm burning a, a CD, so I'm putting C-Murder down for my niggas. I'm getting like, I'm playing that burn, da-da-dun-dun-da-da-dun-dun. And I'm walking from the west side to the east side, right? Because I'm like getting myself out of those. I got to beat the F out of this dude. The freak disrespect me, everything else. And uh, the word travels to him. Like, yo, his boys are like, Jared's coming, so you better be ready. And people were like driving past on the fly line. Jared, you need a ride? I was like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. And I uh, finally get over there. I see Shamar. He goes, I got you. We could just jump. I was like, nah, Sham, F it. I got it. And uh, this is when I learned the art of just like of of controlling your emotions, right? I read this in this book about like you never give someone the power to make you upset because now they have the power over you. And I was like, well, whatever, I cannot react. So I go up, I dap him up, he's scared. And I was like, look, man, I understand, man. I would have did the same thing, man. I know what it's like. I know it's like taking a football player's girl. I get it. I freaking get it, right? And uh, I don't hit him. I was so angry and everything else. And then the reason why I didn't, so when I'm talking to her, she was like upset and she's like, She's like tearing up. She's like, I don't know what to do. And she goes, I promise I'll never do it again. I promise I'll make it up to you. And in my head, I was like, I got something over it because now you're going to make it your business to prove to me that you're not a cheater, right? So I was like, oh, wow, I got something over somebody. That's just a, kind of the psychological thought. That's what I was thinking. And also, that's you know, I was pre-toxic. And at the same time, I wanted to give it a chance. I was like, you know what? Let me give it a chance because as soon as I found out she cheated, I told those told the chicks in ASIJ, stand back and stand by. I'm back in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stop saying that. Uh, so, uh, so pretty much, uh, I hold off, right? I don't activate. I don't activate uh, the Pokemon's. Uh, you know, I was like, I'm about to start collecting them all again. I was like, you know what? Let's try. Let me be ten toes down on this thing and start doing it, right? So. Uh, we just move forward. We move forward, but I'm a I'm a P and petty nigga, right? So every time like we would have an argument, I would just bring it up just to just to set the mood. I love seeing people reactions. I love seeing people cry. It's just psychologically, that's the type of dude I was. And to this day, sometimes I'll say things just to you know to see how see, tug on people's emotions, just to see, man. I like people. I was just like Geppetto. I would like pull strings to see what reactions I could have. So. We start dating. We start school starts. So school starts. And, you know, you're not supposed to go into school with a relationship. But I had a full-fed relationship. We would hang out. And we'd write all these letters. And she goes, my favorite day is biology because that's when you walk me. And that's the funny class. You're always so funny. And then I was like, yeah. She goes, I wish I had another class with you. I said, oh, F, yeah. All right, well, F it. So I go up to the school counselor. And I said, hey, can I change my class, my homeroom class? She goes, to what? And at the time, she had a class with Coach Kitts. And I knew I could finesse Kitts. And I was like, uh, I want to change it to this one. She goes, why do you want to change your homeroom class to a freshman class? You don't want to be around no freshman. You're a sophomore. And I'm telling the counselor, I said, yeah, but you know what? This is the year that I got to get my head on straight. Like, I got Shamar. I got Joe. I got all these guys in my homeroom class. And I'm trying to be serious. I'm not trying to get in trouble because you know how those boys are getting in trouble. She goes, I really respect that. That's a good point. And I said, Coach Kitts is my coach. He'll watch me. And, you know, she goes, all right, if you get Kits to sign this paper, you do it. So I hit Kits up. I said, Kits, man, you know, man, this is just, you know, Shamar and Joe. All, you know, all of my boys are in there, man. I need to be serious. You know what I mean? I want to get really – I want to use this class to just stay – to zone out, to just be zen. And he goes, Jared, the freak, the freak are you looking for? I said, nothing, man. You don't even got any girls in this classroom, man. Come on, baby. You know how I get down. And he goes, 
freak. All right, I'll sign the paper, but I promise. If you do any crazy stuff, I promise I'll kick you out of here. I said, kids, I get kids, finesse him. Now I'm in Janet's homeroom class. So now it's dope. We get to see each other twice a day, writing all these letters. Everything's good. And uh, it was fun. It was freaking fun. And uh, at the time, I'm still dealing with just not being on varsity and stuff like that. And uh, I didn't realize how how important she was to my psyche, right? I remember our first game where JV was playing. And uh, varsity, so if you don't know, sports is like the the varsity players have the blue, varsity have the home jerseys, and your girl will wear the away jerseys, right? So all these girls are wearing their away jerseys, all my friends' girls, and... Uh, Janet walks up to me and she goes, hey, what's your jersey number? I said, it don't freaking matter what my jersey number is. She goes, I know, I'm going to put my your jersey on my face. I was like, that freaking, I'm a JVJ. Nobody gives an F about JV. She goes, I care. I'm on JV. I'm a JV cheerleader. I'm here to support you. I'm, I don't cheer for varsity. And I was like, freak, man, F, F, F. And then she puts, she's like, I go. Then she has like number 30 up there. And she like does her hair and everything else. And she goes, I'm here to cheer for you. I don't care about varsity. I'm here to support you. And I was like, F, man, like, it's just, that was like one of the dopest, the dopest things. I didn't know that she was like really, you know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, this chick really cares about me. I don't get it, but, you know, she freaking cares about me, right? So things are going good. It's dope because after the football games, like I said, we would just chill and walk around. And, you know, I didn't really want to, I would watch varsity a little bit, but I was just, I couldn't watch it. You know, I just watched my brother play and stuff. I'd watch the tapes and we would just walk around that track. <laughs> we walk around that track and I just hang out and talk and just put my arm around her. And then I remember Coach Howell said, well, you know, uh, uh, well, we got our star running back just in La La Land over here just cupcaking it up, cup <laughs> cupcaking during the varsity game. You should be watching varsity play so you can get in. And I was like, yeah, F it, man. You know, F it. I didn't give an F anymore. So uh, things are going good. And uh, we uh, – so what happened was <laughs> – so what happened was, you know, in a, in a base, there's not that many people around, so we start meeting people's families. At the football game, she meets my pop, she meets my brothers, and she meets everybody, meets the family. And then I meet her family, and they invited me to a dinner. So I go to this Puerto Rican powwow. I don't know what it's called in Spanish, comer, uh, to comas, to eat. And uh, I had to go. So public shame, again, I don't like public shame or public embarrassment. I don't like that. something I don't do. And let me say this, like, uh, growing up in a religious household when your dad's a military person, I was raised like a soldier, right? So it was a lot of spankings everything else. So the, no one could say anything to piss me off because the worst thing that could ever happen to me was a spanking. So I was never intimidated by any adults at all. So anytime an adult said to me, I was prepared to say anything back to him because I'm like, what's the worst that anything can happen to me? Beat me up? I've done that before. So I go to this house and uh, it's, you know, I'm, 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 I pull up to the house. I've been in the house before, but not officially, you know, not invited inside where I was welcomed. So I go to knock on the door, and I see her dad, and he has these big Coke bottle glasses, and uh, he opens the door, and he goes, who the freak are you? And I was like, I'm, I'm sorry, I got the wrong house, man. He goes, what? No, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I was like, oh, all right. Okay. I guess everybody, everybody's a comic here, huh? And he goes, she said you're funny. I figured that'd be funny. I was like, all right, cool. And I was very, like, quiet at the time, not very reserved when I'm observing, trying to be respectful. And I, I'm like, kind of dressed up a little bit. And they're just asking me, like, questions like, how are you? Who are you? Uh, uh, what's school like? And her mom's, like, giving me all this rice, and we're eating all this food. And her dad, you know, he's trying to give me the machismo thing, like, you know, she's a good girl. You know, that's all right, cool. And then he's asking questions like, so what does your dad do? And I was like, uh, I don't know. I think he works in the comm squadron. And his eyes light up. He goes, comm squadron? 
and be aware, like I already knew uh, what her dad did because I worked there before and I seen him before. I did my summer hire there, so I knew he worked there, but I pretended like I didn't know. He goes, what is he, E1, E3, E5, four kids? As I don't know what rank he is, but I know he works in a comm squad, and I don't know what he does, though. He goes, what, what, what building? What building does he work in? Like, what floor? I said, basement? He said, does he share a cuticle with somebody? I said, no, nah, he doesn't share a cuticle with anybody. I think it's secretary. Secretary? I said, no, nah, yeah, how I remember now. You got to go to the third floor to, uh, to get to my dad's office. He goes, who's your dad? I said, like, he's Colonel Waters. He's a uh, lieutenant. What? What? Freak? You, your dad's a deputy commander? I was yeah, yeah, he's a deputy commander of this place. Oh, I forgot to tell you yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I remember now. And, and you see the, you see his fork drop, and then all of a sudden he's just super nice. He goes, yeah, yeah, that's cool. You're very respectful. Now I get why you're so quiet. Very respect, <laughs> very respectful. And you just see him like looking at his wife and looking at her like, the freak, you brought the commander, the freaking deputy commander's son up in this house? The freak. Uh, so we're having fun, like a little sister's like saying stuff, and all of a sudden I'm eating food. I'm like, that's macaroni. Ha! <laughs> Ooh, it's, <laughs> what's up with this? What's up with this macaroni? <laughs> this is the first time someone's ever like attempted my life in front of me because they put tuna in the macaroni, and I'm severely allergic to seafood. Severely. So I'm like, ha! Ha! Ooh, what the freak is up? Ha! Ah, what's up with this? Uh, and they're like, Jerry, you okay? I was like, yeah, I'm, well, my lip is swelling up. My eyes are getting puffy. I say, uh, thank you for inviting me. I, re I, I really got to go home. I, I'm going to be late. I was like, oh, well, we're going to get you out of here. You sure you don't want anything to go? No. no. Flip my cell phone, call DJ. I was like, yo, man, are you close by, man? Can you drive me home? He goes, yeah, take the EpiPen, stab myself. I'm throwing up outside of the car. And uh, right on MSN, and she was like, what happened? I was like, I'm allergic to seafood. And her mom's like, oh, my God, Jerry, I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I said, yeah, yeah, no problem, right? That was one of our funniest moments. But I was like, dang, these people try to kill me. <laughs> uh, so everything's good, right? Everything's good. And uh, homecoming happens, right? Homecoming, I had a freaking good homecoming game. And uh, she writes in the letter before homecoming. We have all these letters and stuff. And she goes, Jerry, uh, she was like, I'm, I'm, I think I love you or something like that. And I was like, it's not real if you don't say it. <laughs> it's not real if you don't say it. So uh, before homecoming, her dad's talking about the football game. And I didn't have that relationship that he was trying to build with me. He's like, you know, trying to give me advice. But I didn't, I didn't freaking need it at the time. I was very just headstrong. And he goes, my daughter would like to go to homecoming. Are you going? I said, yeah, I don't know. He goes, well, if you do, it would be nice if you asked me to ask her. I'm like, I'm not. I'm sitting in my head like, I'm not going to ask a dude to ask somebody. I'll just ask her. And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll ask her, you know. And he's like, you can't read me. You can't read me. I'm very, I'm telling you, I was, you know, I'm, I was like deep into this book. Uh, she agrees to go to homecoming with me. So it was just like one of those epic nights. I had a burgundy, had a burgundy suit, had the burgundy suit with the black shiny thing with this, this suave hat. And we're just dancing. Uh, and <laughs> we were just dancing, partying. It was like one of the, like, just a fun night. Not the funnest night of my life. I had crazier nights. But at that time, it was fun. And then she says it. She goes, I love you. And I was like, oh, freak. I said, yeah, I think, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I said, I love you too, right? And it was like those nights. And then at the end, right, end of the night, uh, you know, you know, you know, doing what people do. And then her dad's like, hey, we got to go. I'm like, what? It's only 1030. She got to go. Come on, let's go. And I'm like, freak, man. And, uh, you know, homecoming is usually where you do, you know, whatever. So homecoming's cool, right? And then, uh, uh, Everything, everything's cool. Everything's cool in the relationship. We're just having fun. Football season's going good. And uh, we used to go to the movies a lot. We're like movies type of people. We do like all these couple stuff. And like we'd always just roast other couples. We'd go to the movie theater. 
And, uh, you know, I was a, a big advocate of the, the hand ski and the blow ski and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it got to the point with certain stuff. And I remember she told me, like, my friend might be pregnant. I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, now I got to get pregnant. I'm like, what? You get pregnant? We ain't even done nothing yet. And then she goes, well, why haven't we done anything? And I said, you know, I, you know I'm religious. You know, I don't believe in, you know, having, having you know, Kella Hoy before marriage. You know, I don't believe in that. And she goes, what? And I was like, yeah, well, we, we can just get married. She goes, what? Like, when we're 19, we can get married. And she just looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, really? I said, yeah, I just don't believe in it. And what she did was she told freaking some of the folks, she told my my friends that. And I remember all these football players coming up to me. They're like, yo, Money, let me holler at you. Money Waters, come here. Yo, Money Waters, let me holler at you. And I'm like, oh, freak. Yo, let me tell you, let me tell you what I heard, man. I know that ain't you, Money. I thought you was already in these things. And I was like, F, man. And I just felt so embarrassed, man. I was like, man, I'm freaking guilty. I was like, F it. I'll just freaking do it. If we got to if we gotta do it, I'll just freaking do it. So, and this is the story that I tell when I was like, man, I lost. But I never tell the second part of the story where I was like, I was on a slide, <laughs> like outside there. I remember Tom Gass was like pulling out all these rubbers and was just like, this is how you put it on. And then DJ like, this is how you put it on. Here, this is how you do it. And I'm like, I have it. And I'm like blowing balloons and stuff, <laughs> trying to be funny. And she goes, let's just do it. So. It's just very not the way I wanted to lose the, the first half, right? And we're in a slide, like the the top half of a slide. And uh, she's like, you ready? I was like, F yeah. And then I sloop in there, and she screams as loud as she can, and I just freaking run. I just run as fast as I can. I'm like, freak, I think I, I think I broke something. And DJ just walks me down. I'm like, well, freak, what happened? Where, I was, where were you at? I'm over here. I was like, what the freak are you doing? I said, look, man, I freaking, I think I broke something. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out of here. <laughs> Go back home. And uh, then she goes, look, we did it. That's over, right? It was cool, right? That was it. She goes, no, we got to do it the real way. I was like, da, da, you know, I, I don't freaking know, right? And the truth is, I used to tell these stories to other girls when I was in college, you know, to get the, you know, to get them on my side. I'm like, oh, my God, it's such a sad story. You were guilty through your virginity. I said, yeah, it wasn't the way I wanted to lose it. But the truth is, that's not the way. I, lo I lost my virginity that way. But the truth is, uh, oh, my virginity wasn't stolen. I lost my virginity to a person who just cared about me deeply. You know, for me, I thought I, you know, Inside this podcast, I kept thinking, like, that was the thing. Like, I failed God. But the truth is, you know, I started watching Kellahoy, and I was like, oh, I'm ready for round two. All right, the freaking that. So I go, that's how round two happens. We're just hanging out randomly. Go to Tom Gass's house because they live next door. And we're just, you know, you know, you know, chopping it up. And Tom goes, uh, my room is open upstairs if you want it. And uh, before I went to Tom's house, I made a, a love CD. I made it like a mixtape because like, if I was going to lose it, for real, I want to do it to this music. And uh, we go upstairs, uh, shirts come off, and I said, you mind if I play some music? She goes, yeah. And I turn it on, and the first song is Bone Crusher. So I'm outside of the club, and you think I'm a punk. I ain't never scared. She goes, can you turn it off, please? Turn that off. I said, hold on, let me, I got a few more tracks. And then I turn on R. Kelly, right? Like I would never, I would always encourage, you know, high school uh, teenagers to be abstinent. Uh, because no one's really cheering for teenagers to not be abstinent. But at the time, the only person that was cheering me on was the music that I was playing, which was R. Kelly. <laughs> uh, bad joke, but, you know, I already made it. The song was I'm a Bad Man. I remember before we did it, uh, the song came on. It goes, I'm a bad man, not ashamed of it. A bad man and don't need your love. And that kind of was like the theme song of it being a bad man. Because after that, I, I turned a little bit. And uh, it was good. It was crazy, right? It was crazy. I was like, as soon as I 
Like we really did it. Like my eyes open. Like you know when it's like uh, when like Adam first ate the apple, I felt it. I was like, oh freak, I know what's oh freak. This is what they didn't tell me about in church. <laughs> and uh, we do it. Then at the end, she lets me pull a Cunningham and uh, slip it. Do the Cunningham. Then after that, it was just cool, right? Now let me tell you the reason why it was uh, shocking because I did this all bareback. You know what I mean? I went in there, Butch Lewis, no shirt on, no nothing, right? So afterwards, I thought. Oh, man, she's probably pregnant, right? That's what I thought. She's probably pregnant. Not knowing because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was a rookie to all this stuff, and I thought that she was pregnant. So I couldn't tell anybody because was, I was like 15, about to turn 16, just like thinking that I got this girl pregnant, and I couldn't tell nobody. I didn't want to tell my brother. I didn't tell anybody else. I just had this on my conscience. So <clears throat> I'm listening to music, and the only song I could listen to was Outcast. A boy to raise at her young age but she's alive and i'm like man she's about to be a single mother <laughs> i was like i'm about to be a dad what the freak man what am i gonna do and i couldn't tell my parents i know they'd be mad at me so i talked the only dude i knew at the church was deacon miller rest in peace deacon miller and uh he's he runs in my neighborhood and i asked him i said hey deacon miller uh you think uh you think uh uh, a 15 year old is good enough to be a dad he goes what he stopped he said what'd you say I said, 15, you think that's uh, old enough to be a dad? You think a 15-year-old will be a good dad? Are you going to be a dad, son? I said, no, 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 my friend is going to be a dad. Well, you better tell your friend he needs a job, my brother. I said, like, working at, at uh, you know, you could bag groceries right now. Cause, you know, he goes, nuh-uh, I'm not talking about groceries. I'm talking about, he said, Them commissary money ain't going to help you take care of a baby, son. You need real money. I said, well, you can't go in the military at 15. He goes, yeah, but you need you need some money, son. And I was like, what if, what if, what about modeling? Modeling, that's a good job. You can make money through that. And he didn't know I was serious, but so what I did was I hit up one of my friends and I made a magazine. I made this modeling magazine where I took pictures of myself and I would sell them off base. That's what I did. And I took a nude photo of myself where I put my hat over my thing, my chrom, and I would sell it. I would go off base and I was making a lot of money because people thought, you know, in Japan, they don't know who black people are. So I was telling them I was a famous actor selling things. I would go to bus stations and sell it and I was racking in money, a lot of money. Because at the time, I thought I had a baby. I was like, freak. And what happened was uh, my dad breaks into my, my, my email account, my Hotmail account, and he goes, the freak are these pictures? What is wrong with you, huh? What are you doing? I was like, it was just for a magazine. What magazine? You're out here, your body's exposed over the internet. Do you know what people could do to it, huh? You could go to jail for this. And I was like, yeah. I was like, but it's me. Ah, freak. I was like, freak. <laughs> so he, he punishes me. I'm severely punished. Like, I can't go outside. And that's when I started trolling online, right? I started trolling online because everybody was having fun. So I would go to people's Zanga pages and be uh, just troll people. I would, like, battle the Twin Squad. That was, like, a rap group over there. So I would freestyle battle them and just F with people online because it was fun to me. You know, like I said, the manipulation. I was good at that. So I'm locked up. I'm locked up. Uh, Janet's hitting me up, like, what did you do? And I told her, I was like, why the freak are you making Naked magazine, why are you doing that? And I was like, ah, you know, freak, I just want money. You know, I'm just trying to make money out here. Like, what What do you need money for? And I was like, I just need money to take take care of you. Take care of me, what? And, uh, so then I get off of punishment because my birthday's coming. So my pops just lets me off punishment. And uh, my birthday's coming up. And uh, so my birthday's coming up. So I plan my own surprise party. I plan my own surprise party. And we just... We used to break in TLFs. That's what we do. We hook up with girls. We break in TLFs. We steal keys, everything else. Those are temporary lodging facilities, and we would turn these into, like, raves and parties. So this time we actually bought the TLF, and uh, 
she goes like, why are you planning your own birthday party? I was like, because I know what I want to do. And she goes, well, before your birthday party, um, you want to go to and one or J J one and one and one or J I forgot what it's called, but this is like big bowling pin place where you would go. It's like arcades, bowling and everything else. And she planned this little mini surprise. It was just me, her, Garrett, and Michelle. And we sat there and we hung out for like three hours. We're like roasting jokes. We're doing that game. Oh, freak, what was that game called? It's like dance where you're like dancing on a little thing or dancing there. We're hanging out. And she says to me, and she goes, this is great. And I, I'm glad that we got through what we got through. And you're an amazing person. I hope you wish and have a happy birthday. And she gives me this card that says happy birthday. And it's just like, this is nice, very sweet. Uh, uh, she said, I wish you happy birthday. And uh, then she goes to the bathroom because she goes, I got to put my tampon in. And I was like, oh, you're on your period? She goes, yeah. I said, like, you're not pregnant? No, I'm not pregnant. Why the freak would you think I'm pregnant, Jared? I said, what? That's the reason why I was making this money. I thought you were pregnant. She goes, what the freak is wrong with you? <laughs> Sometimes I say that Janet was the, the person I wanted but didn't deserve. No, that, that sounded like too much Dark Knight. It was a girlfriend that I needed at the time for what I was going through. And I deserved it at the time. But after these were the chronological events that turned me into a toxic male. Like I said, I suffered from three things. Those three things were fear of embarrassment, public shame, being a petty nigga, and the fear of being hurt. So what happened after January, my father hits us up. He sits the family down, and he's all like, we're moving. I was like, what? It's over. We're going to, we're going to the Netherlands, right? And I was like, F, what about this? My brother is going into his senior year. And he's like, what? We're freaking moving? He's like, yeah. And then I was like, freak. Because, like, this place that we were at was, like, to describe Yakota, like, people describe it different for me. It was like the X-Men. Like, when you go to different, when you move around to different places, you, you always have to make friends. You got to fight. You got to do everything else. But this is the first time you're around people who are just like you, right? So I'm upset, everything else. And then I'm thinking about her. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to just break up with her because there's no point. I know exactly how these relationships end. As soon as you leave, one of your boys is going to hop on it. So I tell her that I'm leaving. She goes, that's okay. We'll work through it. I was like, let's just end it all. And she goes, what? I was like, yeah, let's just break up. It's over. It's going to end anyways. We got like five months left. Let's just end it. And she goes, no, I'm not going to just freaking end it because you're leaving. And I was like, it's over. This is how it ends. And she goes, no. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just make her break up with me because I'm not going to be, in my mind, I'm not going to be on a bus to freaking Yokohama crying on a bus because I'm leaving. My, I'm, not, I'm not going out like that, right? F that, right? That's what my mind. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to you know, stand back and stand by. I'm about to spend these last four months and just go and go wild the F out, you know? Because I know... This is when technology wasn't there. You know, I was like, F it. So, and it was hard. Like, I'm trying to break up. She wouldn't, like, do it. So I would just try to ignore her, right? I would ignore her. And she was buried, like, in, you know, if you try to ignore a person who wouldn't allow it. Like, I ignored her, like, two days straight. And then the third day I ignored her, she walks up to my locker in front of all my boys and goes, I don't care what you guys are talking about. You need to walk me to class now. And uh, <laughs> Joe and Gary go, all right, brother, we're going to holler at you later. Brother, seems like you got a lot on your plate. Go ahead and uh, fade out, brother. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, we're going to walk into class now. And hold my hand. I'm like, oh, freak. Okay, well, freak. <laughs> and she goes, I don't care if you're moving. I'm not going to let you treat. You're not going to ignore me. You're not going to treat me this way. 
you're not a bad person. I was like, the thing is, I am, right? So what I did was, what she was teaching me is I was learning how to get away with stuff, right? I was be sweet and sour like a sour patch doll. I was like, all right, well, I knew if I ignored a certain amount of times, I just have to make sure I'm nice and make her laugh and everything else and just be a little toxic at a time so she could take it in doses. So when I poured it all in, it was too much, so I would learn how to back it up. And the reason why I did that, because... Uh, I would try to get her to these TLF builders, you know, TLF. That's where, we, you know, that's where it used to go down. So one time I didn't speak to her for four days. And then the fifth day I was trying to be sweet and nice because I had to go to the TLF. So we get to the TLF and, uh, you know, I try to pounce on her. She goes, uh-uh, we're not doing anything. You just think I'm just going to come and do whatever you want. And you were so mean to me and you didn't speak to me at all. So we're going to spend this whole time talking for making up the stuff we didn't talk about at school. And I'm like, oh, freak, dog. I'm over here, got a rocket ship around, <laughs> and uh, for the whole t TLF, TLF, we're just sitting there quiet, and we're just talking and stuff like that, I'm making jokes, laughing, and she goes, this is the Jared that I know, this one's not me, and I'm gonna start dropping movie clips, because this is exactly how the situation happened, this is exactly where I fully turned heel, so she's talking to me, and uh, she's like, you're not a mean person, you're, you're a very sweet guy, so just be the sweet guy, and it's pretty much like, it's pretty much like Hook, like Hook with Robin Williams, how she's talking to me, right? She looks at me, and she goes, uh, oh, she's like, oh, there you are. That's, that's the Jared that I know. And we're just sitting there, and we're talking, and she looks and goes, you don't got to be this person because I know it's not you, Jared. That's what it pretty much that's what pretty much happens. Like, oh, there you are. That's the Jared that I know, right? She would say that all the time. You're not mean. You don't have to be this. And she didn't even know I was about to crank it up ten times worse, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm asking her, I was like, look, there's different ways to stay together. We could do this, we could do that. And I was like, Have you ever thought about where you're going to college? Because I didn't think about that. Then after that, it just it just it just made me upset. It just it made me like very upset at the time. And pretty much that's when I went full full Shagazulu. I went full Shaka Zulu, and I went just like this. As you possess this blade, it will possess you. So be it. The spirit of the blade speaks. No. The spirit of Shaka speaks. Ah, that's what I did. I became the great elephant, right? That was all the ego I had. Her favorite, uh, her favorite, uh, her favorite animal was elephant. I called myself the great elephant when I read this book, Shaka Zulu, and he said, "To be the ultimate person, you cannot have any love around you at all." And that's what I thought. I said, "The love that she was giving me, I, I, I wanted, but I didn't want to be a part of it because it was hurting me." that I knew I was gonna get hurt. I knew that this pain that I was feeling, I was like, F, I can't have this, right? I had to completely destroy it, completely. So what I did was, I did this thing called gaslighting. If you're not aware of gaslighting is, gaslighting is a form of emotional abuse that is seen in an abusive relationship. It's an act of manipulating a person and forcing them to question their thoughts and memories and events that occurred around them. So what I did was, what she described, I would just troll her, right? I would just freaking troll her all the time. I created all these profile accounts, right? And I was just, every time we we're supposed to hang out, I would stand her up and I would be deliberately mean to her. She'd walk up to me and was like, hey, how are you? And I was like, bad, why? Because I'm talking to you. Little things, mean stuff, right? And she'd be like, why? In front of people. And she goes, wow, 
How can you say that, right? And what I did was I made sure that I conned everyone. Sometimes I wanted to, what I wanted to do was I wanted to put my friends in in an uncomfortable situation, right? Because we were all like, when we group dated, meaning that like she knew all my boys and everything else. So my goal was to make sure that they didn't know what was going on or what I was doing. Because if they covered for me, she would know that they're all liars, right? I wanted all her, I wanted her to see, like, these guys ain't worth anything either. So if I leave, don't try to fall for them. I was trying to do that. I was, like, actively blocking but not wanting to do stuff, right? Psychological stuff. For example, right, I would get on the, I would get on the page and I would write uh, just a random note to myself. Like, hey, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the wrestling match. Uh, you and Garrett are so funny. It was a pleasure. And what she would do is she would press Michelle and Michelle pressed Garrett. It's like, what were you and Jared doing at a wrestling match? Garrett would be like, ah, that is not accurate, not true at all. And I was like, all right, well, Garrett's been compromised. <laughs> He'd been compromised. But it would get to the fact, like, she didn't trust my boys because they were her friends too, right? They would felt bad what was going on. And what I did was I made sure to make sure I was extra nice to everyone around my circle, right? All these other girls, everything else, I made sure to be a gentleman to them, everything else. So when she talked about how mean I was, nobody would believe her. And people would believe it's just in her head. Like, Jared's sweet. Jared's funny. Why would Jared do, Jared, really? Why would Jared send women to beat you up, right? And what I did was every emotion that I felt, the the feeling, the public shame, the embarrassment, I put it on her 10 times, right? Because I remember how I was going over there to fight this dude because you cheated on me. So I put the scenario in your head that I'm about to cheat on you, which I never did. So you could go fight. So she's over there trying to fight, and I'm just online it's provoking it all. And uh, it's it's crazy to me, right? I'm playing with people's heads, right? I'm just effing with people's heads. And then uh, she walks up to me, and she just, just shoves me at the locker, right? She goes, I'm freaking tired of you, right? Why do you, why do you, why do you still with me if you don't want to be with me? I was like, just break, just break up. It just ended. Like, if you don't want to, clearly you don't want to be with me. And she goes, what, what's the point of this? And the truth is, I just didn't want her to be with nobody. Like, if you can't be with me, I didn't want you to be. I was holding the ball to the shot clock right now until I left, right, pretty much. And uh, she just hits me up, and she goes, I care for you, but I don't like this person you're becoming. You are not a nice person. And it was pretty much like, she was pretty much there when I turned into, like, Darth. It would be like Darth Vader a little bit, right? Remember that Darth Vader? And then she said, uh, she goes, why do you think, why do you think we can't be together? There's way, I said, there's no way to be together. She goes, no one agrees with you. I was like, I'm the only one who understands that. It was like Thanos, hold on. Who ceased to exist. It needs correction. You don't know that. I'm the only one who knows that. At least I'm the only one with the will to act on it. For a time... You. Everything I heard about myself, he taught me. And in doing so, made you the fiercest woman in the galaxy. I turned into Thanos, folks. Pretty much what I did. I had to collect the Infinity Stones. And once I snapped my finger, my goal was to break her spirits. Because I read in this book that a chick, excuse me, that's crazy, I'm reading these books. And it says, like, if you break her down to her lowest point, you see what she's really about, right? She said she loved me. I was like, I'm going to prove how much you love me. I want her to prove it. Like, show me that you love me, right? That's how psychologically I was. And the question to realize in life, you can't prove love. You can only show it, right? So she's at the lowest point. The lowest point, uh, you know, it's just random girls hitting her up all the time. But it's really me just playing with her emotions. And, uh... 
I said, uh, and uh, it's me being sweet and sour. I was like, hey, they want to go to the movies? And she goes, really? I said, yeah, let's go to the movies, man. I just really want to go. And I got grounded at the time. I forgot what I did. I, I, I did something. I think I mooned my teacher. And uh, uh, I stand her up, right? Stand her up. And she's the first time. She's like pissed where she's like starting to bite back a little bit. And all the stuff that I'm doing, she's like fighting back. And then uh, we're on the phone. And uh, she's just yelling at me. Da-da-da-da-da, yelling at me. Uh, this is the person that I don't like. If I knew I was going to date a person like this, why would you be like that? Da 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 da. And she's just arguing at me, yelling at me on the phone and stuff like that. And it pretty much sounded exactly. It sounded exactly like I can't make this up. It sounded exactly like Anakin, Anakin in uh, Star Wars Episode Three. That's exactly what it sounded like. This is what she said. Uh, this is, I'm, I'm gonna back it up. So what happened at the movie theater? I stand her up at the movie theater, and she's at the lowest point, right? She's embarrassed, and there's a lot of people at this movie theater, and I'm the only one that show up. It's all these couples, because that's what we used to do. Couple movie theater, that was our thing. We were the first ones that started it, and that's what we did. And I stand her up, and she's sad, pissed. Garrett calls me. Jared, what the freak are you doing, man? You're messing my life up when you're doing this stuff like this. I, yo, this is our friend. We can't let you hurt her like this. And all my boys are calling me. I was like, F you guys. I'm going to Atsugi. What? He's going to Atsugi? And my brother at the time, you know, he didn't give an F. My brother was like, I don't know what Jared does. He didn't know. And uh, and then uh, she's at her lowest point. She's sad. And then Shamar, he talks to her. And uh, it was at all the people I thought. I never thought Shamar. And Shamar goes, I can't believe Jared did that, da 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 And he's trying to hold her hand, trying to mess with her and stuff like that. And she resists, right? So then the next day, she comes up to me, and she goes, I know you weren't Natsugi yesterday. I was like, why would you think that? She says, and I know these girls, and I know, and I she goes, and I know where these girls are coming from. And I was like, where are these girls coming from? Because I made this scenario where people started believing this. People started believing I had all these girls around. I did, but not at the time. I didn't activate anything yet. And she goes, Shamar told me all this stuff. And I was like, what? And then when we got, she looks at me, and I walk up to Shamar, and this is me playing with people's head. And he goes, dude, I don't know why she's thinking that. I said, I don't know why she's thinking that either, but she told me you told her. And he just sits there, he tears up, he goes, freak, man. I said, and you tried to mess with the movie theater. Did you succeed? He goes, no. I said, dang, homie. I said, Slim Slides on me, let us ride on me. I thought we was cool. Why'd you want me to cry, homie, homie, homie? And I'm effing with his head. Now, he's, like, writing me all these emails. Yo, dog, I don't know what to say, man. I apologize. We're bigger than that. We're boys, da 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 And I'm like, freak, I've created this scenario where people are just skydiving and stuff like that. And me playing with people's emotions. Nobody knows. I've created all this stuff. I made it all up. I just made it all up. I'm just testing people around me to see which one of my friends are going to be willing to try to get her because she's hurt, which one, everything else. And uh, then it was just like this. We had a phone call, and she calls me, and she's, like, at the end where she goes, I don't like you. I don't. I don't like you. And I said, like, just end it. She goes, what? I, I'm not going to give, she goes, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of ending it. And she goes, and she just goes off on this list of what I don't like about you. And this is when I turned Darth Vader for real. He cares about us. Us. He knows. He wants to help you. I won't lose you the way I lost mine. We don't have to run away any. I don't believe what I'm hearing. Obi-Wan was right. You've changed. I don't want to hear any more about Obi-Wan. The Jedi turned against me. Don't you turn against me. I don't know you anymore. Anakin, you're breaking my heart. You're going down a path I can't follow. Because of Obi-Wan. 
because of what you've done, what you plan to do. Stop. Stop now. Come back. I love you. Liar! No! You're with him! You brought him here to kill me! No! Let her go, Anakin! Let her go! You thunder against me! have done that yourself. That was me, man, Anakin. I turned everyone against me, man, because it was a fear, fear of fear, fear of starting over again. I was just, I was sad that I was moving, and I just knew that my heart was about to be broken. I, was, I knew I loved this chick. This is the first chick I ever told I love you to, like, that I meant. And I was like, I just can't go out like this. So I was like, I'm just going to break my own heart, but I have to break hers as well, right? I had to break it all. We had to break it completely back to ashes, right? So... What happened was she comes up to school, right, and uh, she has her wrist. She slices her wrist, right? She slices them, like, really bad uh, where she's bleeding everywhere. She has blood, and she's bleeding, and uh, everyone pretty much pulls me aside, and they're like, Jared, like, you're, you're freaking wild. It's like an intervention, right? And we used to meet up. We used to meet inside these, uh, like, the library. We have, like, meetings and, like, you know, talks and stuff like that. And all my boys, they just like, you're done. Yo, Jerry, you got to chill. You got to chill. And I had to go to the counselor because her mother started going to the counselor. like, she can't sleep at night. This guy at her school, this boy at her school, he's mean. He's hurtful. I read his letters. He says hateful stuff. And he's just freaking mean. I think she said something like, something like, I really, she goes, what's the worst point of your life? And I was like, you. And she just walks off. Like, why would you say that, right? She comes to my wrestling match. And I was like, freak. I don't know, I think I lost because you were here. Just like little things that just piss her off and stuff like that. And it got to the point she cuts her wrist and she comes up and cuts her wrist and she goes, I did this to show you the pain that you give me. You, you do this. It's being with you is emotionally draining and you, you just cause so much pain. You're mean, you're not nice. And then she slices her wrist. She cuts her wrist and shows me all this thing. And she, I'm like, I'm feeling on it. I said, you did this because of me? She goes, yeah, it's because of you. I said, it can't be because of she goes, yes, I did. I was like, it's not because of me, because if it was because of me, you would have carved my name in your arms. She gets up, walks off. And then I was like, you know what? If I tell the counselor, the counselor's like, Jared, you're a man of God. I can't believe you're acting like this. You need to just, it's it's over. So I write this long letter, like, man, you I was like, I was like, I'm leaving. And you held on to it. There's nothing else. Uh I'm 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 acting stand back and stand by. I didn't put that in the letter, but I was just like, you know, I'm back to being me. I'm back to being the dog that I was afraid to do. And uh, and that was hurtful, man. That was hurtful because, like, I, I was hurting a friend. Like, I literally was hurting my friend at the time. But I knew I was I needed to hurt myself, you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I, was, I didn't have my heart broken, but I broke my own heart. You know, it felt different when you do it by your own hands. It's pretty much like Thanos and Gamora, you know?
I was uh, that was my destiny, man. I wanted to be the biggest player, the biggest everything else, and I knew I couldn't have her by my side because that was my Achilles heel. That was she knew me. She knew she was the first chick that knew exactly who I was. She knew my my thought process, like things that I did. She figured me out. So we break up, we break up, and then I just, I start going Super Saiyan, right? And I got, I'm talking to airmen chicks, I'm talking to all these chicks, I'm going to Rapungi, I'm meeting all these guys, I'm hooking up with chicks, everything else, and I'm doing this, and I realize I feel like she's haunting me a little bit, because I was like, man, I have no one to talk to about, because we used to talk about everything. And then I was like, on BS, MSN, uh, writer, I was like, hey, what's up? And she was just like, don't talk to me. And everything that I did that was cute in the beginning turned out to be like a prison because now we're in this home room together and you cannot stand me. I remember she's like, she stopped showing up to class and kids like, you gotta, you gotta relax, man. She don't go to class. I was like, hey, maybe you should, you know, show up to home room. She was, don't speak to me. Don't tell me what I do. You don't care. I was like, ah, yeah, all right, I'll take that one. I'll take that. And then uh, we try. I try to be friends at the end. She's like, I don't like you. I hate you. And that's what I wanted. I wanted, I, you know, I said love and hate is the same type of energy. And I know if you hate somebody, that means you always remember them. And uh, then I'm, I got like three weeks left, three weeks left, maybe two weeks left. And the summer hits, we're starting to party and stuff like that. We're breaking in TLF buildings. And she's coming out of this party and I'm going into a party. And uh, I'm sitting there before I went to the prom, I was hanging out with this airman. And she was telling me, she goes, I bet you broke somebody's heart, huh? She goes, why? She goes, you look like you broke someone's heart and you don't know what to do with this, this broken heart on your hands. I was like, F you, man. You don't know my freaking life. The freak. I don't. You, I, was, I was telling Jason, you give my heart to a woman, I'm forever. And I'll be forever, Mac. And I'm a Mac, baby. And the truth is, I was just like, I was, I guess I was so shocked that I did it. It's like when Thanos snaps his fingers, I was like, oh, he freaking did it. So um, we're leaving this party. This is the last time we spoke to each other before 2012. I'm leaving this party. She's going up. And uh, she goes, uh, what's up, Jared? I was like, hey. There's a lot of girls in that party. I said, thank you for letting me know. I'll be definitely there to check them out. She goes, <laughs> and then the door shutting, and Garrett's in this elevator with me, and I stopped my hand from the door shutting, and she goes, what? And I said, I hope you're doing good. And she goes, don't say that. Don't act like you care. Don't care about it. I was like, no, I'm serious, man. I don't think you should. I think your ride's waiting on you down. I think these guys are drunk. Maybe you shouldn't be driving with them. I was like, don't ask about me. I'll walk home. I said, I'll walk you. He's like, no, you won't. I said, I'll walk you. No, the freak you won't. So the elevator closes, and I run all the way down to the basement, and when she gets off the elevator, I'm right there, and she goes, leave me alone. Freaking leave me alone. I hate you. I don't like anything about you. You're mean. You're nasty. You made my life a hell. I don't even want to be here because your friends are here, and knowing that your friends are, friends are like that. No, stay away from me. And I was like, F. And that's when I started listening to Jodeci. <laughs> that's when I started listening to Jodeci. Turns out, like, I thought I, I wanted this thing, but turns out when I felt it, I was like, dang, I lost my mother effing friend. So I started listening to these Jodeci CDs. So I would go by her house, right? And I would knock on her door, and I would put these CDs, mixtapes I did, and I would write my name on it. And I remember one night, I was like, it was like maybe like 11 o'clock, I put the CD in the door. I think it was her dad who opens the door, looks at the CD, and he just launches it and just cracks. I'm like, man, he threw a Destructo disc. And uh, we bumped into her again. I was like, you know, I'm leaving soon. She goes, good. And I was like, all right. So I wrote her this like eight-page letter, and I give it to Turbo, and he freaking loses. I don't know what he did with it, but I was like, this is the last day I'm losing it. And that's when I was like effing. I, em I was just embracing. I was like, I had nothing that held me. And then I was just, when I would meet chicks and stuff like that, they would tell me like, oh, you seem like you were hurt by somebody. I was like, yeah, somebody, you know, took my virginity. I was cheated on. It's hard for me to commit and everything else. And what I did was when I was out here, you know, willing and dealing, you know, talking to these concubines, I never told them my name because I felt like I, 
because the last person I told my name to, I heard a best friend. I heard a friend. So I didn't, never, never came friends with these chicks. I would just give them different egos. Like, my name is Sasha. My name is Big Leroy. My name is this. My name is that. And then when they, they I was like, you fell in love with a character. You didn't fall in love with me. I never felt guilty because I was like, ah, yeah, F. That's toxic level three, right? So 2012, right? Uh, talking to the thing. And he goes, you know what? You should apologize. I'm like, why am I apologizing? He said, this whole time. I said, this girl was never haunting you. This is what the, the doctor told me. He goes, turns out you were just upset at yourself because you broke a friendship and you're big on friendships. You met a person from this world and all the people in the world, that's the only person that you remember because that person was there for you. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize how there's like, you know, she helped a man with a bruised ego. And I was on JV, like put painting your letters was like an ego boost. I remember one time, uh, I remember one time that, uh, I remember, freak, I remember this. I remember uh, it was when, Varsity, like I said, I was you know ashamed about that. Varsity went to go to Kubasaki and uh, go to Kadena to play their championship game, and I didn't get picked at all. And I was pissed, man. I was like, "Freak, I got the most yards, I got the most tackles," and it's the day of the game, and everyone's you know people go on the radio, and she goes, "Hey, do you want to come over?" And I was like, "Nah, just come over, please." We come over, and we're watching a movie and stuff like that, and I literally fell asleep, and she like coddles me like a baby, and the whole time I was like, I forgot that the game was on. I was like, "Oh, freak, she just really." Freak. I said, did she really just do that? She really just, she knew that I was hurting at the time and her to be so keen to know that I freaking needed it. I was like, freak, how can you hurt this person, right? So when I listened to her story and I had made that joke and I was like, man, I didn't want to associate myself with this form of toxic. But I was like, dang, Jerry, you were that toxic, man. Who was the one that opened the door? Probably you, right? So I apologized. I hit her up in 2012. I said, hey, I just want to apologize for everything that I ever did to you. It's not the man that I am. Uh, and I, I was very toxic at the time, but I figured if I apologized for the first one, and she goes, where do you want to start apologizing? I was like, oh, freak, uh, freak. I was like, uh, uh, you know. Uh. <laughs> I was like, I like to apologize for everything. I said, there's no way to treat you. I was I was emotionally scarred. I was doing this, and it was me through these therapy classes, and I was like, there's no way to treat a friend like that. I know I said, like, we're not friends you know, like that, but we started being coming friendly and stuff, and I said, as in a token of my apology, I would like to offer you these Disney tickets. That's how the story comes back around. I was hustling at these Disney. I said, for you and your daughter, if you guys ever need it, or you and your boyfriend, whatever, I said, they free Disney tickets on me. Any park you want to go to, I figured an uh, amount of money would be a sacrifice for the pain I caused you. You know, seven, it's a $1,000 tickets, you know, for every park, everything else. And she goes, that was very sweet, but thank you. And that really meant a lot that you said that to me. I appreciate it. But I, I'm, I'm definitely not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go. And then after that, I had to learn how to forgive myself. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different thing. Like being cold and heartless. Like I didn't care about anybody. You know, to this day, like some. To this day, like my lady tells, like something you could be so mean and like that. And I grew up in this toxic environment where I was just like, "F it." It's about getting girls, players, everything else, uh, uh, gaslighting, everything else, pretending that whatever you're seeing is not what you see. You know, I'm, I was freaking just inside the heads, right? And it took me a while to forgive myself. I said, how could this person, right, forgive me for all the stuff that I did to her? Now, looking at her life, I was like, freak, that's a lot. It got a whole lot worse. But I was like, man, you were the first one that started it, man. You were the first one that did that manipulation, being nice and coming back and switching, being multiple purple and it's different everything. I was you, man. I was like, how could she forgive me? And it weighed so deep on my heart, so deep on my heart. Then I had to learn to forgive myself. That's what we talked in therapy. You got to forgive yourself for the things you've done. And it took a while, but once I forgave myself and I accepted that's the person that I was, 
and I learned how to conquer that person. True story, I swear to Moses, man. Five months later, I met my, my current fiance. I met her. Same thing. The thing that I feared the most about, you know, someone leaving, I, I experienced that situation where we both had to separate and go to different parts of, of different parts of the country, and we stayed together. And I was like, freak, something that I feared I'd learn how to embrace. So I say this to, you know, it's a long story, but I say this because as I wrap up this time capsule, this is for my grandkids. Everybody's life is a movie. Clearly, I played a lot of clips of these movies, but everybody's life is a movie, and everybody in everyone's movie, they're protagonists, right? We're a protagonist. We're the hero in our own story. But in other people's story, we're an antagonist, right? In her story, I'm an antagonist. I was one of the first bosses that she had to face, one of the first evil people that she had inside her life. But for me, she was a protagonist because for me, she showed me forgiveness. She showed me that the person that I was, that there's evolution, you can evolve. And I, that forgiveness that she gave me was what helped propel me to be a better person. Right? She showed me how to how to embrace being toxic as well. Like I've had a lot of fun from those nine years of just willing and dealing. And it was because not to be the guinea pig, but she was like the the thing I tried everything on and stuff like that. But she's a protagonist in my life. I didn't know so much I don't know, I think I tell my lady, I was like, if I when I make it, I just I'll give her like a check for fifty thousand dollars, you know what I mean? <laughs> fifty thousand dollars. But I thank her for that. So I don't think I don't think you ever stop loving a person. You know, I think the love changes, you know. Now I love her as a friend. Now like I can kid you not, we could be times where she'll tell me like the this is what you do on a marriage. Never treat treat your spouse like you don't want her again. You gotta always keep and get on like freak, she's giving me game now. Freak, what type of it's amazing how we could be friends now and play like freaking Connect Four and stuff like that and how it's crazy how you evolve as a person. And uh, that's the time capsule. That's how that's how the story ends. So now, well, this is 2012. Oh, yeah, we could talk about toxic level three, four, five, and seven, that type of super saiyan, but this is the birth of a toxic male. That's how it happened. I'd like to thank uh, Janet for being a part of this. Uh, you know, her story was amazing, and it kind of like sparked me thinking about my own story and who I am, man. I had a lot of work to do, man. You know, me and my lady been together eight years, but, you know, it had to be it had to be chronic. I had to work on myself, you know. And she was there to stay with me to help me work on myself. And uh, like I say in the beginning, the difference between a butterfly and the moth is they both go through the same metamorphosis. But the moth resembles what he looks like, and the butterfly doesn't look like what he looks like. It's hard to believe that the butterfly was a caterpillar. So when I tell people these stories of how mean and how toxic I was, like it's hard to believe, Jared, how much you support female comedians, how much you're always encouraging people, everything else. I was like, no, I used to be that person. But metamorphosis, baby. Uh, my name is Jared Waters. This is the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Hey, you're live on the podcast One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Say what up to the people. Now this is when I see black excellence. It's Kenan Thompson. And I see this giant butt. I'm like, oh, who is that? Turns out it's Quest Love. It's Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy. And they're all sitting at the table. And I walk up to Eddie Murphy and I was like, hey, Mr. Murphy, I just want to say you're the GOAT, man. And you're the coldest that ever walked the face of the earth. You got to break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months. two months. Said, uh uh, and I'm be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters. 
And I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.